Hello again, everyone, and welcome to today's show. If you're one of the 130 million people that are dealing with SIRS, Lyme disease, autoimmune disease, or other conditions that are impacted by mold on a daily basis, and you need to learn how to eliminate that exposure, then you're in the right place. My name is Brian Carr, and you're listening to Mold Finders Radio. everyone. How's it going? I'm not going to say that I'm super pumped about today's episode because I listened back to the last three and I've literally said that at the start. Of uh-huh. the last three. And so now I feel like everyone doesn't believe me when I say it. So what I will say instead of I'm super pumped for today <laughs> is I'm really excited to talk to this person again today because we've chatted before and I think she has a lot of awesome information. She shared some of that stuff with me on a personal level. Um, and I want to maybe share some of that more on a public platform. Um, we're talking to Dr. Alana Rommel. She's a, pediatri- a pediatric naturopathic doctor. She's a creator of Med School for Moms. She is the host of Dr. Mom's podcast. And I'm going to just give her some crap for it now. I'm, <laughs> a dad and I'm interested. So if you want to call it, if you want to give Dr. me like dad. a dad episode like of it, you like you could do that and call me out. That'd be cool. How's it going? <laughs> I love it. And I'm so sorry. It's so true. I feel like I resonate with the moms. I'm a mom myself, right? To three little kids. And I love helping moms be doctor moms. Essentially, it's, I just want them to help take control of their own health and their kids' health and be able to be the moms and the doctors for their kids. And definitely any caretaker, whether it's a dad, a grandmother, a nanny they should also be in that same category so sorry to not represent of of course say listen (laughs) i'm gonna give you a quick little plug and we'll get into it so i have two little ones i have a four-year-old and a 19 or 20 month old at this point it's hard Mm -hmm. to keep track of months i know months (laughs) it's like i don't know anyways he's like a year and a half ish um and when I had uh before our our before Zade, my newest uh, or the the young boy so I had kensington um, we had talked, you shared, uh, uh, your course with me, um, a couple of the courses, um, from the, uh, from the med school for mom stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and even to this day, I'm still using stuff that's in there when she comes up with like random coughs or this or that, or things that are going on. Uh, what I like about all your stuff is that it's, it's like easy to digest. It's like not scary. And it's like actionable stuff that you could do. And, you feel like you're you feel like you're doing something you don't have to run to the doctor every five minutes. Yeah. Oh, thank you. So. I appreciate the acknowledgement. Well, I turned everything now into a very low price point membership. So people get everything that I've ever created. And every month I just I give more and more protocols. I just I want parents to have everything they need to be able to help their kids when sick and feel really confident when to go to the doctor, when to use natural medicine. So I just absolutely love it. So happy I can help your kid is. Yeah, I love it. So so let's do that. So let's transition to this. So Let's talk about the environmental stuff, right? This is obviously everybody knows what I talk about all the time. So what we're going to be doing is putting some context to kids and how they're feeling, their symptoms, like how things are manifesting with them and correlating those things to understand if there's connection to environment, what those like triggers might look like in a, in your child. Um And then the next thing, the next question that always comes up is if we do have a mold exposure in a home and we do have kids in our home, we all hear about how to detox ourselves, right? The grownups, right? You do binders and you do this, you do that, you fix your gut, you do all the things, right? There's a bunch of episodes on that, but kids are different, 
mm-hmm. right? They're, they're smaller, their immune systems are set up to, they're not developed yet. There's a lot of differences in kids. So to get a little more context around someone who has been in a you know moldy water damage environment, they know they're being exposed to stuff. They want to make sure that they are doing the best they can for their kids to recover from these types of exposures. What are some things that we can do to kind of get in that? So those are, those are kind of the two things I'd love to, I'd love to dive into. Great. Well, I love to talk about this. I was so happy you invited me on because I agree. I don't think there's a lot of information out there on mold toxicity in kids. We hear a lot about it in adults, but kids matter tremendously. And if any parent has mold toxicity themselves, their kids are likely exposed as well. And oftentimes the parents are actually more concerned about the kids than they are themselves. I think as parents, we can understand that we oftentimes put our kids first. So let's just dive into this. I have a whole section on mold toxicity in my membership and program. So I'm going to just give it all away because I all I care about is I want all parents to know this information. Unfortunately, dosing is different based on age and weight. So that may be something you may need to log in for, but just take notes. I want to give you everything that I have because I just want everyone to be aware of this. So first, let's just talk about environmental toxins with kiddos in general. Mold is only one toxin. You know, I think parents who may be listening know that there's a lot of other environmental toxicities. And whether it's a chemical that could be easily excreted from the body without much help of supplements or lifestyle, our bodies naturally detox and that's beautiful. That can have minor effects on kids. But then there's something like mold, where as you know very well, everyone reacts very differently. But mold is a toxin to everyone. It's not something that anyone should necessarily be exposed to. Some people though metabolize and detox it much quicker and easier. So you may have three kids in your family and there may be mold in your house and only one shows like severe symptoms. The other two may just have like general symptoms, not a big deal. So just don't discredit that. But at the end of the day, no one should be exposed to mold. So some of the very common symptoms that we may see with mold toxicity in kids is recurrent illness. So let's say you're doing all of the stuff that maybe are in my protocols or your doctor's giving you, or you're just a very natural-minded mother anyway, or parent, and you're doing all of the good stuff, elderberry, echinacea, vitamin D, vitamin C, zinc, all of these good stuff. And your kid is still getting sick every few weeks, if not every week. It's like one cold after another cold after another cold. And they're eating really healthy and they're outside and they're sleeping really well. It's like, why is this happening? I'm doing all the right stuff, but my kid is still getting recurrent illnesses. I want you to think about mold. Another common thing is just a a recurrent cough. You know, the mold spores are getting into the lungs. And so the kid is just not getting over their cough and they just keep on having the coughs. Another thing I would just keep in mind is mold doesn't have to necessarily be in the house. It can also be in someone in the kid's schools. So maybe the kid is doing well at home or doing well on vacations, but then when they go to school, their, their symptoms are recurring. So look at like situational as well, where, where symptoms are coming up. So those are just very classic type of either respiratory or recurrent colds, but there's also a lot of neurological effects that mycotoxin can have on the brain. This can look like mood swings, behavioral meltdowns, headaches in kids, which is not very common, lack of focus, ADHD symptoms, anxiety, depression, memory loss. I mean, this could be a little bit more severe, but 
mycotoxins can really have an effect on the brain as well. So I think this is something that as parents, we just have to start considering and looking at. I'm all about understanding the root cause with things. I don't want to discredit if a child has symptoms, we need to really figure out what the underlying cause is. And as we're going through the different causes, mold should just be one of the differentials should be one of the things that we should just always want to rule out as a parent, as a physician. And so that's kind of a little snapshot of symptoms that may present and what you may look, look at for kids. Did that answer that question? Yeah, no, I think it's great. So um, just to like add on a, to this a little bit. So I just, um, I just had a conversation with a client of mine. I was kind of, she's updating me on what was going on with her. And um, long story short, she had a bunch of issues in this apartment that she was in. She had to leave. The reason that she kind of went down the road is because she had a kid and her kid had this just constant recurring cough just mm -hmm. for like a year. Right. Um, and that was it. And it was interesting because I think a lot of times I, there's, there's two types of people. I feel like when we're trying to figure this out, there are the people that think that there can only be upper respiratory symptoms with mold. Right. And then at that point, like, oh, a cough, like, sure, maybe a cough is a trigger. Then there are the people who are probably more the people listening to this show that understand that that's like more of the minor thing instead of like the major thing that's going on. And so then you're always looking for like the significant neuro stuff, or you're looking for like nervous system, or you're looking like all these different things. And sometimes it doesn't have to be that dramatic in terms of the effect to still see that the exposure is happening. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think, I think it's important to, and, and I am kind of victim of this, I think, just because I think most people look at it this way and I want to make sure they're looking at it the other way, but don't downplay like the quote, basic symptoms that oh, come yeah. from just breathing. Right. Oh, absolutely. And, and with kids too, you know, and with people in general, like well, kids, you know, their, their immune systems are, are still developing, right? So, you know, I've worked with people and this is, this is just, just be aware guys, right? I've worked with people who grew up in a water damaged moldy basement. And now because that happened and things weren't addressed and looked at at the time, it basically rewired their immune system to the point where they're incredibly like sensitized as grownups, right? But that's actually a good thing, right? Yeah, we'll talk about it. so so yeah so why so why is that a good thing well i think sometimes having germs quote unquote or even some little bit of toxic exposure can help train your immune system to be somewhat resilient now too much of that is going to offset anyone right. but i think sometimes when look i mean at the end of the day there's mold everywhere and i think that some people freak out about that like i even have some parents i work with that won't even go to like a hotel room because they're so afraid that one night of exposure is going to like you know, the, for the rest of their life, the kid is going to be, you know, have harm or whatnot. Right. It's like, it's okay. Like minimal things is okay. And sometimes building resiliency is also a really good thing for the immune system. Again, something like mold is not something you want to be exposed to in big amounts for long periods of time. We definitely want need to remediate. We need to resolve it. We need to clear out the body from it. And, but it's still, there's something to say about kids building resiliency when they are exposed to germs and toxins and stuff. It just can't be excessive for long periods of time. Yeah. I think it's a good point. It's, you know, if, it's the long-term exposure where I grew up in this house in this basement for 10 years. And now well, that's I have a long long-term effect. Yes. Right. Yes. But to your point, and I think it's something, you know, when you talk about kids, you always have to be aware of, of the, 
emotions that the parents have towards the kids, right? And it meaning that it, you, I, I don't want to say something that's going to make someone overreact in one direction or the other, just because they love their kids so much. Right. And so the thing is, if you have kids right now and you think there's something go on going on, the good news is they're still kids, right? Like yes. you're still, you're still at that point where you can address it and kind of curb some of this long-term effect that has the potential to happen if you don't address yes. it. Yes. Well, so, and if I may offer some yeah. hope, in my clinic, I would test a lot of mycotoxin urine testing, which is so easy to do with kids, which is great. So it's a urine test that is collected to see what type of species, if any, what type of mold species may be inside the body. And with treatment, remediation and the detox protocol that I'll be happy to share, we've seen dramatic improvement, not only in levels of the toxins inside the body, but also symptomatically. Yeah. And just to even back up, I'll have a lot of parents come into the clinic and not even consider mold. And they have symptoms. And it can, again, it could be so vast because it could be very systemic, very different symptoms. And as we're uncovering different things, you know, your doctor, whether you go to a medical doctor or a naturopathic doctor may say, everything's fine. Everything's fine. But if the symptoms are still there, keep on digging. And mold may be one of the last tests that come up because it's actually, in my opinion, and clinically, it's a lot newer of a root cause diagnosis than ever before. When I was in school in 20, 2007, 2008 to 2007-ish, we never even got taught about mold exposure, mold toxicity. And I went to a naturopathic medical school where we're all about looking for underlying root cause. It was not until about maybe 20, maybe 2019, 2020, where I just dove into more continuing education. I worked with Dr. Jill Krista. I wanted to understand more about this until now all these naturopathic doctors are starting to order all these mycotoxin tests. So it is still a fairly new diagnosis and underlying root cause. And I think that as parents, we just want to never give up because if your doctor or your MD says, oh, your kid's fine. It's normal for kids to get colds and coughs. and But a lingering cough that occurs almost daily for a year, that's much too long. Maybe once a month getting sick could be potentially normal, but it should be anywhere between maybe three to seven days, 10 days max. And then they should have a break, feel better. And then if they get sick again, they get sick again, but it should not be just this ongoing lingering symptoms that never resolve. Don't let your doctor just say, this is normal. Keep on digging in and get, I would say a mycotoxin test to know for sure. Yeah. Just one thing to piggyback on that. And then we can like go to the next thing. The dates that you put on that, I want everyone to put context in their mind yeah. of what you just said. All it's right? not that long. 2007 is 15 years ago-ish, mm -hmm. right? 16 years ago, right? You know, how long does it take to get out of med school? Like, whatever it is. I, I don't know what the age of that doctor is, what the math is, but like, do the math on like kind of the age range of that doctor in your head. Then when you walk in and you're looking at your doctor, how old are they? Are they older okay. than that? Well, if they're older than that and they have and they aren't expressing and sharing with you that they're continuously increasing their knowledge base and they're not proving that to you, then you need to understand that their knowledge base is anchored in a thought process that doesn't acknowledge this stuff, mm -hmm. right? And so if that's the person that you're now looking for to get guidance on something that they basically know nothing about, like logically that doesn't make any sense, right? It doesn't mean that you can't use them for other things, but this is the idea that you don't need like one person on a team to help you figure something out, right? Like you build a team 
of, of experts, of doctors, of whatever, that are specialists in different areas that can help you with stuff, right? Absolutely. It, it, it doesn't like downplay the value of a traditional medical doctor who's been doing it for a long time. You know what? They've seen a lot of stuff and there's value to that, right? But if there are new things that are coming up and they're not showing and proving to you that they're keeping up and understanding all of that stuff, then you need to supplement that knowledge base somewhere else. And the easy way to think of it is think of what you just said. So 2007, it wasn't being taught, right? I don't know when it started getting taught or even if it is at this point, but you need to keep that in mind when you go in and see your doctors and have take that with a grain of salt. Like I went in just for a general physical and it was a, and I was talking to an ND and I was like, oh, cool. Or, or yeah, it's an ND. I'm like, oh, I'm excited. It's cool. All right. So somebody who's, and man, after, you know, I know more than the average show about this stuff. And in a 30 second conversation, I was like, all right, I can't talk to this person about any of this stuff. And that's mm. fine. Let me just talk about the basics of like the other things that I need to go on. And then luckily I have lines to you and Jill Krista mm. and other people, you know, lucky for me, um, but, which is why I try to get you on here to share stuff too, Yeah, um, that I can surround myself in other ways. So just something for everyone to think about, about like how you take information from yeah. people and, Great. and what you're looking for. So Okay, so we talked about a, a way of, so you mentioned ruling out, so you mentioned uromycotoxin testing. So, you know, that doesn't always come up and show that there's a mold exposure, if there is, right? Are there other things? Are you running, are like, do you run the same types of tests on a kid that you would on an adult? Like, are you running like inflammatory blood marker tests? Are you like, how far no. do you go with a kid? It's hard because with kids, you really want to try to avoid blood draws as much as possible. It could be very traumatic. So it depends on the age. It depends on their symptoms. Obviously there's a time and a place that that's needed, but it's usually going to be one of the last resorts. You know, you're going to try to do stool tests. You're going to try to do maybe some saliva, but that's even hard on some very young urine yeah. test is my favorite, but I would either do organic acid tests that will show some um, metabolites to mold, but really the mycotoxin test I've actually found to have a lot of great clinical. Um, I mean, I, I, I feel like if at least one person in the family, I would want to see a mycotoxin test. Cause if I see at least one person in the family with high levels, I'm going to assume the other people in the family likely have the same exposure, but I'm a big fan of testing because after I do my treatment, I want to retest and I want to see if my treatment is actually working, you know, and, it, and it's effective. And then I need to know how long I need to do it or how aggressive I need to be about the treatment. So I'm a big fan of testing and not guessing. No, a hundred percent. I agree with you. And I think what you said is perfect. It's if somebody, if you're living in the same house and you can see proof that there's exposure in someone else, that's a pretty good indicator, yeah. right? And so it's balancing like what the other people in the house are versus the tests that are more mm -hmm. realistic. Now, keeping in mind, like I mentioned earlier, is some people genetically have a, a more robust detoxification system where they may be exposed to the same amount of mold, but their bodies are clearing it out much faster than another individual. So even if we have the same family member, their levels can still be very different. Mm -hmm. So we have to just kind of consider that as well. Got it. No, I think it's great. It's it's good to know that there's something you can do on kids in the same way to get a oh, yeah. for like what's going on and oh, what yeah. exposures and things look like. All right. So, so let's, let's spend the last portion of this kind of talking about what to do about it. Right. Perfect. So, I love this. 
Um, I love it. You brought up binders already. You brought up things. So these are all things we could still do with kids. It just kind of looks a little different. So one of my other colleagues who's a friend I used to work with in practice is Dr. Jess Pietro. So I'm sure you know as well. She came up with the kill bind sweats for for uh, adults. We actually worked in the same medical center together for a while. So we're close in that. And so we had a conversation and I talked to her a lot about what, what my protocol is for kids. And then I also talked a lot with Dr. Jill Krista, who we just mentioned is also one of the leading experts in this. And so my protocol kind of came from kind of combined both of them. And then I've just seen really effective results in clinics. So I was happy about that. So I kind of came up with my own kill bind, but again, kids aren't really sweating in this regard. Kill, I use biocidin, which is a herbal product that is safe in kids. And you don't need to take a lot for per weight of an individual for a lot of effectiveness. So it's, again, it's categorized as an herbal medicine in liquid form. So it could be given to a range of different ages or weights. And I find it to be very effective in killing off the toxins that the mold produces. So I really like that for kids. For the binder, I really like modified citrus pectin. Again, a very gentle and effective binder that doesn't necessarily always bind vitamins and, and minerals. You could use activated charcoal. I know that's used oftentimes with adults, but why I was a little bit um, worried about using that for the kiddos is that my protocols are months. It could be at least a three month minimum of doing this type of protocol. And I was so worried about kids having mineral and vitamin um deficiencies from being on activated charcoal for so long. And, you know, we already have kids who are picky eaters and whatnot that that was concerning. So we chose modified citrus pectin, which I felt was very um, helpful in it. And then as far as the third phase, which is the sweating, we can't put our kiddos in saunas. We can't put our kids, I mean, we can we can have them running around and so that they're exercising or bouncing up on a trampoline, you know, to move lymph. That's all beneficial. But what I also felt was important is just ensuring that they're pooping and clearing out toxins. That's a huge part of the sweating part is just the clearing out. So making sure they're having enough fiber, making sure that they're pooping. If not, we need to get them pooping, maybe adding magnesium, probiotics, things like that. But glutathione was my master antioxidant, antioxidant that is one of our key detoxifiers in the body. So I would add glutathione to ensure that their detox capacities are at the optimal forms. So again, I do biocidin to kill, modified citrus pectin to bind, and glutathione to kind of help clear. And if they're not pooping regularly, we're going to add fibers, we're going to add probiotics, we're going to add potentially magnesium to that. And those are really the basic formulas for my protocol. Now, with that said, I'm of the belief that anyone that has mold toxicity should also be on just general wellness um, nutrients. And that would be daily vitamin D, probiotics, and fish oil. And vitamin D, as we all know, is just so important for immune system, but it's actually really, really well known and, and, and important to keep that immune system at bay. So we can have an overreactive immune system. We can have an underreactive immune system. We want vitamin D to be an optimal level so that the immune system is acting properly and we're not having an hyper-inflammatory response. So vitamin D is just key for these kiddos, but they should be on this daily. Probiotics, again, just support the gut. But I want to speak a little bit about fish oil and why fish oil is actually incredibly important for any child or adult with mold toxicity. And that is the brain is... I think it's 60 or 70% fat. 
that's what the brain's made out of. And mycotoxins actually like to flood the nervous system and the brain because it actually has an affinity to, to, to lipids and, and, and fat cells. And this is actually why we see a lot of neurological and behavioral issues with kids is because the mycotoxins are now affecting the brain that is rapidly developing in these kiddos. So if we could take a robust amount of fish oil, it actually can almost protect the brain from these the mycotoxin damage. And we find that in the literature pretty well. And Dr. Joe Chris is the one who taught me this. And I think it's a great, a great um, position for these kiddos specifically who are rapidly developing their brains to have as much fish oil as they can to actually protect the brain during the detox phase. So I hope that that was clear. So even though it's not part of my detox protocol, it's part of the protective protocol that really they should be on daily anyway for a good general wellness protocol that I, I outline all throughout the membership as well. That's awesome. Um, a couple of things. When Jill told you that, did she tell you the solution to pollution is dilution? <laughs> I love that saying. I think that's fantastic. And in this regard, it's fat, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's so neat. Yeah. I love that. So, so people know what that means. So by, by putting more healthy fat, by putting more fat into your body, there's more places for the mycotoxins to go that are not the brain basically. So you're like mm -hmm. diluting the, the fat load. So it's interesting. Um, couple questions, comments. Number one, love biocidin. I'm on it every day. My kids are on it every day. Um, so awesome. Um, Question about glutathione. So I've heard that if you, if you supplement for glutathione with glutathione for an extended period of time, that your body in the long term would produce less glutathione because now it's being, it's, it's getting used to having it provided instead of having to create it. So I just wanted to run that by you, like your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think that's great. I I'm not a proponent of taking glutathione daily. So I would do this for three months. I would retest depending on the significance in, in, you know, being cleared out. Some people don't need any more than three months, as long as they have really good remediation. Now, again, remember, this is where your you shine is we all know we need to avoid it, avoid, avoid, avoid. And then we can also detox the body. So as long as there's avoidance, we should see already improvement with three months. Some kids need six months. Most kids are very resilient and three months is usually what they need. It just depends on the level. So I just, I'm not a big proponent of glutathione every day anyway. So if after three months they still need it and it's working fine, I'm okay doing it a little longer, but I just wouldn't do it every day all year long. Got it. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I think it like stuff like that. It's important to say that. Otherwise we're like, oh, this is yes, what I do and thank I'm just you. doing it forever. You know? yeah. and, it's, it's... and I also don't want people to do it without testing because I feel like they can maybe take this protocol and say, great, I know there's mold, but then how do you know how long you need to do it for? How do you know if you need to increase the amount? How do you know that it's effective? If it's not effective, then something's going on. And what I also love about doing the mycotoxin urine test is I know if they got the remediation and they're on these nutrients, we should see at least a, 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 a lower level of the mycotoxins. And if there's not, it means the remediation was not well done. And then I could go back to the family and says, there's still exposure. You got to go back in. And then before you know it, oh, it's behind the wall that they never you know, found. So we need to know this information. You know, As you know, it's very hard to find every little nook and cranny in a house, unless you're like tearing it down. So with some of these tests, it's really good to then be able to say, okay, we need to really do a little bit more investigation and inspection. What you just said is the, is part of the story that most people go through 
I don't know if I would say now, I think, I think there's more awareness of like us now than there used to be probably, but like before this is like, what would happen? Like people would, would think there's a mold issue, right? So they talk to you, you're like, yeah, I think there's a mold issue. Cool. And then they'll go and they'll find some mold inspector on Yelp or something. And they'll come in and do like a crap job and, mm -hmm. but they'll pay money for it. And they'll think that they got someone that did it right. Then they're like, okay, everything's fixed. They think it's fixed. Then they come to you and exactly what you just described happens. Mm -hmm. We're doing X, Y, and Z. This stuff should be getting better. It's not getting better. There's still something happening in the house. Now, the people at that point, they go one or two paths. They say, which frankly, I don't actually understand why they would take path two. Well, let's, yeah, path two, but here's what they do. So path one, they're like, I believe you. This is what's in the body. It logically makes sense. I need to go figure it out again, right? That's path one. Usually that's when people. Path two is they would say, no, you're wrong, doctor running these tests. I'm going to go. You're still there. Did I lose you? Oh, are you there? It was me. My internet just went out. I, you know what? I was like, is it my internet? I was like, I just told my husband downstairs. I'm like, get off the internet. I was like, is it mine? All right. I'm glad because I was on the whole time. And it's okay. Hopefully your editors can do this. Is that okay? Yeah, I'll let them know. I'll just start where I was, wrap it. We're almost done anyways, then we can like wrap it up. You said like two or three is like, they don't believe the doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, is that where you heard me? Was it that That's where I heard you last is like okay. number two. Cool. All right, that's where we'll go. Um, all right, so then option number two, they don't believe the doctor, right? Which for me is kind of hilarious. Like, do you trust some dude on Yelp that you hired for 800 bucks or you trust a doctor who's been like, I don't know, but whatever. Here's what I will say to everybody who feels like they're at this spot, right? They thought they did it. Their doctor's telling them maybe there's still something going on. Trust your doctor. Seriously. I have never, I literally have never, this isn't an exaggeration. I I'm not saying 99.9% .9 of the time just to cover myself. I'm literally telling you every single time that a doctor 
has referred somebody over and said, there is still something happening in this house. There is still something happening in that house. So take that for what it's worth for you guys. I went off on a tangent like that, but that's the importance of what you were talking about, about doing the testing and understanding the progression of where you're moving. Because mm -hmm. if you're just like, oh, cool, we quote fixed the house. We think we fixed it. We're on these protocols. Three months is up. We're done. We're not going to retest. The symptoms, everything's going to come back. Yeah. Right. And what's it's, interesting about the protocols is that you might be keeping it at bay during the three months. Mm -hmm. so it's not as obvious. And, it's, and you think that it's working, mm -hmm. right? Because it's not as bad. And then as soon as it goes away, the exposure creeps back in and it starts right. kicking your butt again. And you shouldn't be dependent on these. Again, this is short term protocols. I do want to add, though, Brian, if you don't mind, is I, oh my God, I, I don't even want to like get teary about this. It's like I've just worked with so many parents in the state, but it's so stressful. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's so stressful. It's like, you want to feel like you hired someone, they did the job and we can just move on with our life. You know, I always say to my patients with mold toxicity, it's like, I'm so sorry you have to deal with this. It's not just your home, it's your furniture, it's your clothes. It's, it's such an overwhelming feeling. So I just want to empathize with these parents to say, if your mycotoxin test continues to go back, there is still hope. I mean, what, whatever we could do, hire, you know, re-inspect, you know, hire, do something where it's, a more thorough job, you will get to a point where you won't have the exposure, but you got to do all the steps before you could just like say, okay, I'm done or move. And again, I know this could be so overwhelming, but I do want to at least give some hope to say there are ways to at least ensure that your family's health is going to return to normal with time, depending on the severity, but you have to focus on the remediation part. You can't assume that you're going to get back to you know, optimal health until that's done. And then don't worry, the, the detox and the supplements and all of that are going to be there for you to help and, and be ready for you. And to your point, I've seen it happen over and over and over again, where people do get better. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah, of course. And, the re and a lot of times the reason it wasn't working is because there were still issues going on. Yeah. And so, you know, the funny thing about this is that you don't even have to find every single issue in the house. Like, that's the thing. And that's actually what's kind of silly about like what the, what, you know, the, the local, you know, the Yelp guys are doing is that they're literally just finding nothing. Like it's just air sample, everything's fine out the door. Your house is fine. Well, we know that that can't be right if we're seeing it in the clinicals, right? So just like logically, just ask yourself the question. It's in the clinicals. How is it? It's not even possible that it's not here. Like where would it mm -hmm. be coming from, right? But the other thing is, and you talked about this, I mean, we're, we're built to detox. We're built to handle exposures to things. Mm -hmm. And you've also mentioned that, you know, people's detox abilities are different, right? So it depends on like how fast and how quickly people can move stuff, Right. But what all of that means is that you don't have to get, and this is like one thing I think people get lost in, especially when their kids are involved. It's like, there has to be zero exposure left. There can't be anything. It's not realistic to think of that. Okay. So instead think of it this way. And now each person's different, but my body, my kid's body, there is essentially a break-even point and where it can handle and where it can't handle. Everybody's break-even point is going to be different. That's where the doctors come into play to give you an idea of what that looks like or whatever. Your goal is to reduce your exposure down below your break-even point. That's the goal, right? And it doesn't mean that every single thing has to be happened. It, does, it also doesn't mean that like if we came in your house and found 20 problems in your house, that so you have to fix all 20 of them. It doesn't mean that either. You could fix maybe five of the worst ones that were the worst of the worst contributors and do a full cleaning of the house and do some other things. 
reduce your overall exposure at the end of the day, let's say by like 60%, 65% maybe. And maybe that's enough for like your individual, your kid's individual, like break even to be able to, to deal with it. Right. So, you know, I don't want it all to feel like it's all or nothing and you got to get rid of it and you got to remediate it perfectly and you got to do this. It's you have to remediate enough. You have to remove the exposure enough based on like the individual situation. Um, and I've seen it happen and it works and you've seen mm -hmm. it happen and it works. Mm -hmm. So it can work. Great. I hope that offers some hope to, to parents listening. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, any last things that you feel like we should throw out no, there? No, again, I just want to give like a big hug to these parents. Like you're so awesome for even listening to a podcast like this, trying to understand and learn. You guys may not have had to go to medical school or whatnot, but this is, I think what Brian and I really want to do is just educate. You actually have, you have it within you to be your, your child's number one health advocate and understanding this information trying to understand how to digest it, finding a practitioner that you can work with and can help you through step-by-step. Step. I think you're just going to have the best outcome you can. And again, there's hope in this, you know, we work with many parents and families who have a lot of hope. So I just, I do encourage you to just never give up on this. Don't just uh, assume that your kid's symptoms and ongoing symptoms are just going to be there forever. You know, your child, you know, what's normal, what's not. So go with that and really tune into it. And hopefully something like multi-toxicity in my protocol can really help. And, and also Brian's services as well. Awesome. So if people want to hear more from you, cause you know what you're talking okay, about. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, if you want like dosing and you want to understand this protocol, please just join the membership. It's called the Dr. Mom membership. You can find it at drmommembership.com. It's a very low rate. You can cancel at any time. Just get in, go to the mold toxicity protocol. I also have a great interview. Actually, Brian, you have an interview. I have one, how to clean up the home, but also with Dr. Jess Pietros on just signs and symptoms to look for and whether it's adults or kids for mold toxicity. And then I've got the whole protocol protocol, how to find the products, where to get them, dosing and everything right in there. And then within it, all of my other protocols for RSV, cough, you know, runny nose, all that good stuff that, you know, our kids are inevitably going to get. So I'm so happy to share that. You can also follow me on Instagram. I love sharing free information. That's at Dr. Ilana Romel. That's my tag. And really, I just, I love helping you parents. And if you need anything, just DM me, send me a message. You know, I'm always here to support. Awesome. And from experience, the dosing, the instructions, it's super easy. That's oh, important. It's written out in oh, there. Yeah. Um, like whenever my, you know, whenever my kids get sick, I'm like, all right, I need to dive back into this. First off, it's nice to have it because you don't always remember it. You're like, oh, mm -hmm. cool. It's broken out. There's like a cheat sheet, like kind of thing in there. It's easy to see. And then all I do is just write it down on a piece of paper. So I don't have to keep looking at like the PDF. I'm like, okay, right now we're dealing with these four things. This is what we do. This is per day. This is it. It's written on a piece of paper. And I just try it. Perfect. Yep. I try to make it as easy as possible for Dr. Moms and Dr. Dads. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, thanks for your time. Thank you. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. So that's it for today's show, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment and subscribe and give a rating wherever you get your podcasts. It'll help spread the word to those who really need it the most. 